also other beings in the Job passage. Let's look at Job 38 again. While the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. This seems to indicate two different types of entities, don't you think? Yeah, sons of God translates into B'nai Elohim. We're going to be spending a lot of time on that. Sons of God in the Old Testament was totally different than when it talks about son of God or sons of God or children of God in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, everywhere it says sons of God, it means B'nai Elohim, which literally translates the sons of God. In this case, a place descriptor, according to Heiser's category, it doesn't indicate a type of being or even a role. It indicates someone who dwells in the supernatural realm. It is a location descriptor. Okay. Basically, all the non-humans that God created. If you're a human, you're not a B'nai Elohim. Everything else that he created that was an entity is B'nai Elohim. And so in that verse, it's just talking about all of God's created beings in the supernatural realm. Yeah. And some people go ahead and say it's directly created by God. So since you and I were born from parents, only Adam and Eve were direct creations. And some people would say that they are B'nai Elohim, according to that definition. I know that some sections of the book of Daniel are written in Aramaic instead of Hebrew. He uses the word Irem to describe a supernatural being. In Daniel 4, 17, the sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men. And for the word watchers in Aramaic, it's Irem. That is a very interesting verse. And like you said, it's Daniel is the only book that's written in Aramaic, which is a little bit different from Hebrew. But the word Irem translates into a watcher. It it literally has to do with eyes looking at something and especially watching over something. Not an angel. It's not in the role of someone taking a message. And you can tell in this verse, it says, There's a decree by the watchers. This is one of the first places we're going to see that God has not equals, but cooperators, if you want to call them that, that actually confer with him and make decisions with him. And in this case, it says the decision by the word of the holy ones. And that holy one there, we we tend to translate that into the saints in some scripture because people were so uncomfortable with the idea that God actually conferred with literal holy ones and that's what it means you can tell by the fact that it talks about the watchers first that it's talking about a b'nai elohim there so the watchers and the holy ones are very likely celestial dwellers or dwellers in the unseen interesting in the saints we see in the new testament as the holy ones in the day and daniel's in the old testament so this is completely different vocabulary And also, Um, back to that Job verse again, some people say that that's Hebrew parallelism, where you have two ideas kind of poetically in a verse. To me, it looks more like the wording, while the morning stars, those would be the angels singing that we talked about. And then it changes all together in the last part and says, and all the sons of God. And angels would be B'nai Elohim. So it's like he's saying, while the morning stars, the angels were singing, And all of the sons of God shouted for joy. There's a lot more going on in the supernatural realm than a lot of us consider. We kind of think angels and demons 
Um, and then this is showing, like, just to summarize, there's descriptors, there's messengers, there's watchers, there's, there just seems to be more going on. A lot more. And maybe there was a higher rank than the messenger angels, these Irem. We do see ranking in hierarchy. It's hard to tell sometimes exactly how that is, but we'll we'll see the word rulers and princes later, which obviously seems to indicate that it's a higher ranking being in some way that's governing over something else. You're right. They're not just messengers. They are literally governing. God has delegated to them mm -hmm. to be able to make certain decisions and to rule in a certain way. Yeah, we know that someday it says we will rule with Christ. And so right. it's not unusual that he would involve his other creatures in his ruling, whatever that entails. Do we um, know if the watchers are all good guys or could there be bad watchers? That's that a good have? question, too. The uh, extra biblical, the non-biblical sources from other uh, religions have them as both the good and the bad. It looks like in this case that it's a good watcher that Daniel is talking about here. Okay. But, but if they are B'nai Elohim in general, we know that some B'nai Elohim are good and some are bad. And in those extra biblical texts, it uses the word Iram and it's like Mesopotamian and such. Is that yeah, what, whichever yeah. ones use the uh, Aramaic. And in the ones that gotcha. weren't Aramaic, they would use the terms. And we'll see this coming up later. Some just use sons of God and they use mm -hmm. it in a negative sense because B'nai Elohim then would be the fallen spirits that rebelled against God. Yeah. So there's a lot to unpack here, even just with this watcher's thing. So we'll have to talk about that later. Yeah. An even more intriguing verse coming up in Daniel 10, verse 10. The context to this is that Daniel was fasting and praying because he it seemed like he wasn't getting an answer from God. And it says he waited 21 days and his prayers still weren't answered. Could you go ahead and read that, Daniel 10, starting in verse 10? Yeah, Daniel 10, 10. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O oh, Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from this first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. You see why most people avoid this chapter? Yeah, this is kind of confusing when you really dive into it. And not just confusing, but man, it throws in some really strange things. And that is true. Some people in the past have just completely done away with Daniel because that's way too supernatural for us. But first of all, notice he doesn't use the word watcher here. He's talking about a prince. Mm. And he also even names Michael. And right. we, know, we know from that that Michael, it looks like in that last part, it says Michael, one of the chief princes. So now we have a clue that prince is something like what Michael was. Michael definitely was a B'nai Elohim, and he yes. did fulfill the role of angel several times. Yes. So there's there he is with all of those titles in one right there. So he was a special person. And also, there's a struggle going on. 
once again, I have no clue how this works, and it's just beyond my thinking why God would allow certain things like this. But then I start thinking, once again, God does what he wants to. And if he wants to involve his B'nai Elohim in human affairs, and it very much looks like that's what's going on. The angel that's talking to Daniel says, from the day that you first prayed, I started 21 days ago, but I was hindered by the prince of Persia. Yeah. Like I said, how in the world is that happening or what's happening there? For some reason, the answer to prayer was delayed for three weeks, not because God wasn't powerful enough, because he obviously could have just sent the message and answered the prayer himself. But for some reason, in his will, he allowed this particular angel to be struggling with another spirit, another B'nai Elohim called a prince for 21 days. And it got to the point that he even had to call Michael to help him. So look at all we're getting there. Michael obviously is a higher power than this angel that was there. So we see already that there are different levels of power among the B'nai Elohim. Yeah. And this also just kind of, hits home to me because of the unseen spiritual realm that there is a spiritual struggle happening spiritual warfare yeah exactly what paul said you know going on yes yeah the ephesians 6 verse that we bring up that he says the struggle is not against flesh and blood i mean imagine how many times a prayer might have been not answered for someone because a struggle in the unseen realm was going on I also like in this passage that, again, that whole fear not is one of the first things <laughs> that, yeah. that he says to him. Because at first, Daniel says that he's a man, and then he says, fear not. Something about them is terrifying yeah, imagine, <laughs> or just unfamiliar. <laughs> imagine seeing the prince or Michael coming, how fearful that would have been. Uh, it I gets would... even better, though. Look, look down farther. Could you read Daniel 10, verse 20? Yes, Daniel 10, 20. Now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. Wow. Now, how do you even dig into that? I don't know. So he has to go mm-hmm. back again. And for some reason, the struggle is still going on with the prince of Persia and Now the prince of Greece is about to come. So it appears, and we'll see this later too, it looks like various countries or nations or whatever have their own princes, which in this case looks like they're evil or fallen. And we could use maybe a different word for prince, like uh, like an angel or... Yeah, definitely one of the B'nai Elohim or Watcher. Yeah, Daniel yeah. didn't say watcher in this case, but that's okay. that seems to be what he was referring to earlier. That's really remarkable because if we weren't having this conversation, when I read in my Bible, I would think that they were literal princes. It would be hard for me to see. I mean, you can see that there's supernatural things going on, but just the the verbiage is interesting. Yeah, and I think one more evidence of that is it switches and eventually and talks about the king of Persia. So that probably was, I think scholars say that that was a human, but the actual prince was the watcher that was there in some way. And what do you make out of the fact that he says that Michael is the only one that can come to help him? There is none that contends by my side 
against these except Michael, your prince. I've heard some people say that Michael is exclusively the prince of Israel. Oh, and that's that's where this okay. comes from. So okay. uh, we'll see later when it looks like God divided up the countries among the B'nai Elohim, that okay. Michael was the one in charge, the, the big prince over the Israelis at that time. So you're kind of setting up that like every kind of country has its own B'nai Elohim working over it. Uh, it seems that way in a verse that's coming up that will, I think it'll get even, even clearer than that. But okay. you were right when you talked about the struggle in flesh and blood. There apparently are good and bad B'nai Elohim. And that kind of blows your mind, too, because why would God create that? But, you know, we have the belief, obviously, that angels, we think, fell. Mm -hmm. And so why not think that the other creatures that were living in heaven also had free will and choice, and perhaps mm -hmm. they had the, the ability to choose to rebel too. And like I said, that's going to play into the Genesis 6 episode that we have coming up. So the verse we were talking about, I'll just go ahead and read it. It was Ephesians six twelve. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Yeah. Four different bad B'nai Elohim there. Wow. And we don't really know their ranking. Uh, usually, I've heard it said that it goes from lowest to greatest. So that would put mm -hmm. the uh, rulers... And obviously rulers kind of sounds like rulers. So they're the ones that are above something. Definitely not angels. They're not messengers. So pretty powerful. And then authorities and then something, cosmic powers, whatever that wow. is, and yeah. spiritual forces. Okay, let's conclude this section by taking this into even stranger territory. Thank Strange you. in the sense that it gets a bit too supernatural for some people. What we're talking about today some things are just speculation. Some things are definitely in scripture. And I would encourage you to read your own scripture and think about these things. Can I just point out too that we are bringing to the table lots of different ideas. And these are not always necessarily our own views or our own ideas that we've come up with. True. This is coming out of research, discussion, and sometimes just questions. So we're just presenting it. Uh, we're just bringing it to the podcast. Yeah. And that was the intent of this podcast, that it would spur conversation about some of these things. Yes. We hope that when you hear this, that you will email some questions or comments in and we can include you in the discussion. I hope it's obvious to listeners by the context that what we believe strongly and what are secondary beliefs are two different things. The main things in scripture, things that lead to a close relationship with our creator, those things will hold to the death. Yeah. Secondary ideas like what we're about to discuss, we can discuss this. Yeah. So here good. goes. Let's look at the book of Job, chapter one, verse six. Can you read that, please? Yeah. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And there we see sons of God again. Yeah. The same phrase right there. So apparently they're able to come before God in his throne, maybe the throne room, but in some way, some respect, the sons of God, the B'nai Elohim are coming before God, which also includes the one that we're calling Satan there. Hmm. And it also insinuates that there's some kind of collaboration. 
we'll see that Satan and possibly the others are conferring with God or maybe asking questions or giving advice even. That's what Satan is doing. Yeah, let's go a little bit deeper. In 1 Kings 22, 19 through 21, and Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said one thing and another said another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord saying, I will entice him. Interesting. Yeah, a very interesting verse. If you want to get deep, as you said, look back at this again. We see a host of heaven here. So obviously this is still that group coming before God. Host of heaven generally just means the it's more the warrior type when you see Mm -hmm. that word. Okay. So they're standing there. But look what the question is. Uh, The Lord, it says, Yahweh God is asking who wants this assignment. Yeah. And then it says one of them comes up and says something, and then another one says something. And finally, a spirit comes forward and says, I'll be the one to do this. And in this case, it calls him a spirit. So it equates the thing we're talking about here, the B'nai Elohim or the host of heaven, with just the general term spirit. Yeah, this is very interesting. But I mean, this isn't completely unusual because we just saw how Satan could come before God and provide feedback suggestions, etc. Exactly. Yeah. And it's kind of like a team effort. And and once again, be very clear, it's not saying that God is just one of many. He is still God most high. Yes. And that's the difference between the other religions back at, in the, at the writing of this and what the Israelites were thinking about this. They never saw God as just one of many. Well, most yes. of them didn't. At any one time, the Israelites were in rebellion and worshiping idols very many yeah. times. So, And does do you think this has to do, maybe we could tie this into our prayer life, that we kind of collaborate with God? Yeah. Wasn't it Pascal that said God gives us prayer so that we have the dignity of causation? So wow. I know a lot of people believe different things about prayer that why pray? Because God's just going to do what he wants to. But knowing what this says about God and, and knowing the fact that we're told many times to pray. So prayer must have some kind of benefit and it must really, like the old saying says, change things in some way. And in some way, I again, don't even understand God allows my prayers to become part of his will. Even how Daniel prayed for 21 days and like didn't give up and God answered that prayer. I Yeah, prayer is a really amazing thing. Yeah. And by the way, none of this is a new idea. We keep saying that, but this is still pretty much the view of the Second Temple Jews and the early church leaders. Yeah, I want to just kind of clarify that, bring that more to the surface. So what we're presenting here is the cultural spiritual worldview of the Jewish people, when they were reading their text that we read, they would have inferred these things that we are bringing to light. Some of this has kind of been lost in tribal knowledge. Uh Usually the opposition I've noticed to any of this develops when you don't want to be as supernatural as scripture wants you to be. So it's not really a disagreement over vagueness of scripture. It seems to be something like, oh, let's tone this down to make it more what my worldview is comfortable with. 
I've heard some say that this is what's behind passages such as in Genesis, where it says, let us make man and the Tower of Babel. Let us go down and confuse their language instead of referring to the Trinity. Yeah. When he says us, all kinds of different ideas about that. Obviously, the going thing is to say, well, that's talking about the Trinity. And it yeah. could be. Uh, it also could be the fact of what we've just said, the other B'nai Elohim and Perhaps they did have some role somewhere in creation. And in the Tower of Babel, maybe God is saying, let's go down and confuse their language. And we should never interpret that as more than one God. It is God saying that. We just don't know if he's referring to himself as the Trinity or as to this B'nai Elohim and the Iram, etc. Right? Yeah. And it could be both or either. Yeah. Let's look at another passage. Psalm 89 Five through seven. Could you read okay. that? Let the heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness and the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? A God greatly to be feared in the council of the holy ones and awesome above all who are around him. And that just makes it really plain, doesn't it? Yeah. You see here again, the assembly of the holy ones. Mm. Uh, people have tried to make this the assembly of the uh, human leaders or whatever. But no, it specifically says, let the heavens praise your wonders, your faithfulness in the assembly of the Holy One. So it all in one sentence there. And then it says to make sure there's no doubt that God is in control for who in the skies can be compared to the Lord. Yes. Yeah. And again, it uses later on the counsel of the holy ones, awesome above all who are around him. So you kind of picture the holy ones around him as part of the team that's doing things. And it's also you you miss there the heavenly beings, too, who among oh, the yeah. heavenly <laughs> beings. So it's like this. Yeah, this verse is full of these verses are full of that. Yeah. Which includes everything. So, yeah, it's, it's saying literally there that everything that's out there, God is over everything. Yes. So yeah. here's a term that Heiser used and a, a lot of other people. In fact, it was popular a millennia ago, but <laughs> divine counsel. So hmm. that's what that's what we'll, we'll be referring to this as the group of B'nai Elohim that are with God, Yahweh God, in this heavenly okay. assembly. Let me read Deuteronomy 32, 8 through 9. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is his people. There's the sons of God again. And could this be referring to the time when God put those Daniel chapter 10 princes over the nations? Every nation gets a ruling B'nai Elohim, except Israel, which God claims as his own. Sad but true, so many non-believers in the world without the hope of heaven, yet so many believers who have the ridiculous idea of sitting all alone on a cloud and harping. I don't think I could take that. And that's despite what the Bible says about the unseen realm. Even with the few brushstrokes we get, Scripture paints such a rich picture. Myriads of intriguing beings, interactions, and collaboration with God himself. And I'm just speculating here. We know that on planet Earth, there are 10 million species that we've cataloged so far. 200 billion trillion stars. And God didn't need any of that. 
He just mm-hmm. overflows with creativity and beauty and adventure. There's a beautiful sea anemone right this moment at the mm-hmm. bottom of the ocean somewhere, and no one will ever see it except God. It's going to live its whole life and die, but God sees adventure and enjoyment in that. And in a distant galaxy right now, I'm thinking there's probably some vast, multicolored, expanding nebula that, that no person will ever see. And yeah. it's all just there because God enjoys beauty creativity, and just life in general. So I wouldn't be surprised if the unseen realm that we've been talking about is just so incredibly more diverse and complicated than we can even begin to imagine. In this episode, we've tried to lay out some of the players in the unseen supernatural world. But you know, as we just mentioned, this isn't a static place with every being sitting around soaking up celestial rays. Since before the natural universe was created, there's been an ongoing narrative. There's a lot more going on in the spiritual world than we realize or sometimes even want to acknowledge. Just to say again, Ephesians 6, 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers and over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Um, And later in that passage, it talks about how we can protect ourselves and the emphasis on prayer. We don't want this to be focused on dark or scary things, but just that God is above it all. And ultimately, through Jesus, we have the victory. In the next episode, we'll dig even deeper into the ongoing drama in the unseen realm. We'll see how the realization of the unseen realm should not move us to fear, but move us to pray and move us to see how big God is. If you want to dive more into this topic, we recommend Michael Heisner's book, Unseen Realm, but with some cautionary statements. It's very academic, and I don't think it's a very good read for a new Christian. But I really like how Heisner attempts to tackle passages that are hard for pastors to talk about on Sunday mornings. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to comment or ask questions, send us an email at godintheparanormal at gmail.com. You can also get more information at our website, thinkingaboutthebible.com. If you found this podcast useful or interesting, please tell others about it. And please subscribe here on this YouTube page and give us a thumbs up. If you'd like more information about various weirder topics like mechanical elves and other things from a biblical worldview, you can check out Dr. John McWilliams' book, God in the Paranormal, available at Amazon. One of the reasons we started this podcast is because I personally enjoyed this book so much and I wanted to talk more about the topics in it.